you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Monday edition of Move the Sticks. I'm Brett Lewis here with our former NFL scouts, lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. Guys, following the first uh, five games of Super Wild Card Weekend, got one left. And I just w- want to make sure, if you guys could just remind me when there's 14 seconds left in show, I want to make sure that I correctly wow. toss one to the end zone, or at least to the end break of the show. You guys got that? We're good with that? We'll take care of you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. That's too much. But let's kick this thing off with our big three here, because we had a big three on Sunday, the triple header. Uh, this was where all the drama came. The 49ers building an early 13-0 lead in Arlington on the Cowboys. Debo Samuel, again a difference maker. 72 rushing yards, none bigger than the 26-yard rushing touchdown, which served as San Francisco's last score. And just enough as the Cowboys quite literally ran out of time. Ran out of time. The Niners are moving on. Let's just talk through this last sequence here, Bucky, because I want to make something very clear. The first three plays of that final drive for the Cowboys were executed perfectly. Had almost 40 yards on three plays using 16 seconds a clock. And then the final 14 seconds come off the clock on a 17-yard QB run, QB draw, if you want. Couldn't get up and spike the clock or spike the ball in time to get another playoff. How did you see the whole sequence playing out there, Buck? Look, man, really surprised, really surprised because having been up at Cowboys training camp a few times last year, they work through situations all the time. This has been talked about, how they want to handle the end-of-game situations. 14 seconds left. You have to make sure that you get down and give yourself enough time to spike it and clock it. Jack Prescott takes off on the quarterback draw, which was fine. However, he pushed it to the limit in terms of trying to get up all the yards, and he ate up all the time. Now, given the defense that the Niners were playing, they were defending the sideline, you weren't going to be able to get those throws that they had previously completed. But a veteran quarterback, a Super Bowl winning coach, an offensive coordinator that is viewed as one of the tops in the game, you can't have these errors. And so to me, it's an inexcusable error to have a flaw in execution at this time in the game in a postseason game with everything on the line. Exactly right. And look, if you practice this thing all the time, you know, Biotis has got to know, Prescott's got to know, referee's got to get his hands on the ball before you snap it anyway. So like that's that's just one of those things you got to know. You got to they didn't even get the ball off. You want to talk about whether they should have, you know, spiked it or thrown it to the end zone. I didn't even think they got the ball off before zeros. It looked like to me. So I mean, there's a ton of mistakes in this game from the Cowboys perspective here. This did not come down to one play. It's not like they were guaranteed to score a touchdown at the end there, DJ. You know what I mean? They still had to they still had to find the no end zone. Yeah, no doubt. I just I, I would be more in the camp of taking a couple pops at the end zone with a couple Hail Marys, which you right. could have got two of them off from where you were located. I don't know. Uh, being where they were located after that run, if the juice was worth the squeeze. But I almost feel like this kind of distracted us from some of the other issues for this Cowboys team. And I've said it, and we said it on the, on the podcast, Buck, about their ability to stop a four-man rush of the 49ers is going to be key. 
And when you go back and watch the game, all these sacks, they're all four-man rush sacks that the 49ers had. They just rushed four. They're able to stay in coverage and just win one-on-ones. Here you see with a loop stunt early on with Nick Bosa before he went out of the game. He comes scot-free. Uh, that's a layup sack. Another example here where they're rushing four. Again, you should not be able to get home this quick. Connor Williams is beat immediately. They create all that space, the wide nines that they play, those upfield rushes. It really spreads out the interior of your offensive line. They were able to isolate some weak spots. Connor Williams had a rough go of it in there, guys. And to me, I think we can get hung up a little bit on the very end of the game and not look at what maybe we should have looked at all year long. Is this Cowboys front, this offensive line, is not what it used to be, and it, was able, it wasn't able to step up when they needed it most in the postseason. Yeah, DJ, I'm glad you pointed out the fact that the Niners were able to win primarily with a four-man rush because it does put all the uh, spotlight on the offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. And though we talk about them and there's this bit of a mystique and reputation that hangs over top of this offensive line, they've been very average for like the last two years. And what happened in a matchup against a very talented and what I would call a very relentless defensive line, they got exposed. And they were exposed to the point where the Cowboys have to do some serious uh, evaluating and trying to figure out how can they fix this offensive line because they were absolutely whooped over a 60-minute game by a front line that just outplayed them yeah. and out-executed them on some very, very simple tactics. Yep, no question. And we'll get into the Cowboys rebuilding that offensive line, their plan for the offseason, coaching and all a bit later in this show. But you also got to remember penalties Huge deal for the Cowboys oh in this gosh. game, especially down the stretch on the defensive side. The Couldn't Gallimore the penalty, field. the Gregory penalty in those final five minutes were so crucial uh, in terms of mistakes that ultimately uh, helped seal the Cowboys' fate in this one. So the 49ers are moving on to Lambeau Field in the divisional round of the playoffs. We are moving on to game number two of the big three, and that takes us to Arrowhead, where the Chiefs scoring touchdowns on six of their final seven possessions and overwhelming the Steelers at Arrowhead. Patrick Mahomes on fire, over 400 passing yards, five touchdowns, and what was likely also the last we see of Ben Roethlisberger in this league, leading a Steelers offense that just lacked the juice to make a run in the postseason. 42-21 to was the final. Take a look at the dominance of Patrick Mahomes. One more 400-yard passing <laughs> and five passing touchdown performance than these Hall of Famers, Peyton Manning, Marino, and Montana. And uh, was that about 115 games fewer and that it took Mahomes to get four uh, such games of that production? Really impressive from Patrick Mahomes and a team that's certainly peaking at the right time here. And I, look, we talked about this at times, DJ, this season, the way they rebuilt that offensive line after right. the absolute debacle in the Super Bowl against the Bucks about a year ago now has certainly served them well. Yeah, I give Brett Veach a lot of credit. And to me, I think really the interior of this offensive line, you ask any quarterback if they want to be protected inside or outside, they'll say, give me the inside protection. Give me a pocket, a firm pocket. I can navigate a while around some edge pressure. And they did that in the offseason. That should give hope to teams out there with poor offensive lines. Brett Veach did this in one offseason, completely changed his whole group. Yeah, DJ, to be able to pull that off, Veach and company had to not only – know who they wanted to get, meaning what they needed to replace, but they also needed to know how to develop it and put it together. Andy Reid and his coaching staff has done a great job of putting a mix of old and young players together in front of that offensive line, and it's allowed them to flip the script offensively. We saw this team struggle offensively more than we've ever seen them struggle in the past three or four years. 
but they've gotten it together. And that performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers still shows that the Chiefs can explode at any point, but they also can play connected us football. In my estimation, this is a more dangerous Chiefs team because they now added some more tools to the tool belt. They can beat you in a variety of different ways, and that will serve them well as they play different teams in the postseason. That might take away the big play element of their offense. And guys, looking at this from the Steelers' perspective, this first half was a microcosm of what we have seen from the Steelers all year long, particularly on offense. They punted on every single possession in the first half, eight of them. Eight possessions, eight punts, and things actually were working out pretty well for them through the first quarter and the first part of the second quarter. They had a couple of turnovers. T.J. Watt got one of them into the end zone. They took the 7-0 lead, like, and you're like, okay, Maybe there's something to this Big Ben, last magical ride, the Mike Tomlin, cut your eyelids off, nobody's blinking, and then they just didn't have any juice on offense. Uh, Roethlisberger finishes with 215 yards, a couple of late touchdowns when the game was pretty much in hand from the Kansas City Chiefs there. It just This offense never looked like it had what it took to compete uh, at an elite level when it comes to the postseason in the NFL. And there's some work to be done. And, of course, guys, that's going to start at the quarterback position for the Pittsburgh Steelers, trying to figure out who the heir apparent is once Ben does officially make it official with his retirement. All right, let's move it on. Game number three of the big three it takes us to how we started our Sunday on Super Wild Card Weekend in Tampa with a shorthanded Bucks team on offense, but didn't matter. Gio Bernard got into the end zone. Keyshawn Vaughn got into the end zone in the absence of Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and Chris Godwin. And somehow the Eagles left Rob Gronkowski wide open in the red zone. I, you know, I don't know. Like it was not meant to be for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bucs absolutely dominated this game. They go on to win it, and they will host the winner of the Rams and Cardinals tonight in the divisional round. So uh, let's start this one here, DJ, by talking about a pivotal play when the Eagles had their backs against the wall, but were driving in for a potential scoring opportunity here, what'd you say? Well, first of all, if I ever pick against Tom Brady again, just punch me in the face, okay? You did it's not pick the Eagles, well did you? I've ever gone against. I was my upset special. Don't oh, have it. There's no excuses. But let me get to my play here and show you what could have made this maybe at least a competitive football game, which it really wasn't. Uh, the Eagles down 17-0. They're driving here. A chance to Get seven on the board. You dial this up. Double move. You've got Devontae Smith wide open. This ball's on time. It is a layup touchdown. You see how late it is. You see the safety come over the top. He makes a nice play. But I want you to show you from the end zone here. You've got the back end. You've got a six-man protection. You're picked up. Just slide up into this pocket. You can deliver this ball on time. It's a layup touchdown. Instead, you've got Jalen, who's just kind of drifting outside the pocket. He's extremely late. His eyes never left Devontae Smith, given the safety plenty of time to get over there. And it felt like once that happened, this game was over. I mean, I, I don't think the Eagles come back and win that game, but I think it's more competitive. Yeah. I thought once that play happened, they sealed their fate. Yeah, look, the, the fate was sealed when they let the Buccaneers jump out to the 17-0 lead. Yeah. And one of the reasons why they were able to jump out is because the band is back together. The defense is back together. All of the guys coming off the injured list return. JPP, Shaq Barrett, Levante David. It is the first time, Bruce Aaron said, it's the first time we've had our number one defense since the beginning of the year. That defense certainly looks playoff caliber. The speed, the athleticism, the overall aggressiveness, that is the unit that we saw make a run last postseason. So if they get this kind of effort and production and performance from this defense, I wouldn't dismiss the Buccaneers' chances of making a back-to-back run. This defense is lights out when they're all together. They showed that against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
100% right, Bucky. And I felt like some of the additions that came back for this Tampa Bay defense in this game helped make up for some of the absences that they had on the offensive side because the defense was absolutely dominant. Shaq Barrett, who missed a couple of games, JPP coming back, Levante David, all coming back were huge for this Bucks defense in stymieing that Eagles rushing attack, which is the best in football coming into this game. And in a, in a matchup of strength versus strength, the Buccaneers proved to be the strongest on that side of the ball. So I think that's going to be huge here moving forward, especially considering the teams that are left uh, in the postseason. And just the last thing, look, I know JPB didn't have a sack in this game. Uh, Shaq Barrett didn't, didn't you know, play his full complement of snaps, but what it did was it allowed that rotation to keep guys fresh. As Bruce Arians mentioned, you get Tryon in there, back with JPP, back with Barrett, and you keep everybody fresh getting after the quarterback, and boy, did they. Real quick, Rhett, they got to get Tristan Wirfs back healthy, though. That, That's the that key. was yep. a significant drop-off when he was out of lineup. Something monitor this week. He's in a walk-in boot with an ankle sprain, tried to come back in, clearly was not himself, had to sit out the remainder of the second half. Ryan Jensen also banged up their center, such a pivotal piece of that interior protection for Tom Brady. Certainly going to be something to watch here as the Bucs uh, watch Monday Night Football tonight and find out who they're playing. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. As we roll on here this Monday, though, how about Joe Burrow? 76, completing 76% of his passes since week 16. Remember, didn't play week 18, but still has been on fire down the stretch for this Bengals team. AFC North champs, first playoff win in some 30 years, and they get it done over the Raiders, and Burrow has been perfect these last three outings, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. DJ, that's where we have to start with how Joe Burrow in such short order has transformed this Bengals team into not just winners and AFC North champions, but playoff winners for the first time in decades. How has he done it? Well, I, I always get asked about quarterbacks and kind of what are the most important factors. And I always come back to the same three things. It's accuracy, it's poise, it's decision making. And Joe Burrow is off the charts in all three areas. He threw a seam ball in this game. The accuracy, you're not going to see anything better than that. Joe Burrow is incredibly accurate. He also has the poise and the wisdom to know, hey, when to give up on a play, throw the ball away. He can extend plays as well as anyone, but he doesn't put the ball in jeopardy. That's the key in postseason play. You can't turn the football over, so he's not doing that. The selective aggression, I love the way he's playing right now. And the definition of a franchise quarterback, elevate everyone around him, that's Joe Burrow. Look, Joe Burrow has all that. I may have to give you one more quality. He has an athletic arrogance about him that is infectious. Some would say swagger, whatever you want to call it. His teammates feed off of that. This There's is a guy that is not fearful or afraid. And then when you think about <laughs> Look at those the glasses. guys that are around him, the playmakers. You thought, you th I mean, all of that stuff that he has, he gives them that. And the beings of surrounding with some nice talent with Joe Mixon and GMR Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, those guys get it done, but everybody feeds off of the swag and the athletic arrogance of that quarterback. So, wait, are those actually rose-colored glasses? Like, is that what that is? Yes, is that they are. Those things are That's, sweet, man. Yeah, he's I optimistic. think you're underselling yeah, those glasses there. Look yeah, at he's those very things. optimistic. I'm, 
Look, I'm still. My grandmother bit... had those same glasses 20 years ago. I did not know she was ahead of her time, but those <laughs> things are fresh, and I love them. Yeah. There's definitely something fresh about that. Um, on the other side of this game here, the Raiders look phenomenal work just to get into the postseason. Um, I know ultimately that's that's not how any teams are judged in the NFL here. But what the Raiders do have is a bona fide star, DJ and Max Crosby, uh, obviously with Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, we're one of the best edge rushing tandems in the NFL for a team that's sorely needed uh, some quarterback pressure, and they got it with Crosby and company this year. Yeah, I don't know who Max Crosby's agent is, but congratulations to him because whatever they're going to pay him, it's not enough. I mean, he he is he is unbelievable. Seeing him live in person doing the Charger Raider game at the end of the season, they couldn't block him. He was very disruptive in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and it shouldn't be a surprise. He's done it all year long. This is what you want a pass rusher to look like with his length, with his burst, with his long arm to be able to win. I mean, he is – He's as good as there is coming off the edge in the NFL, a true superstar that deserves some more love. Uh, you know who's not necessarily earning uh, their money the last uh, few games? Bill's punter. Um, he just is sitting on the sidelines. I mean, look, the, the check's still clear, which is great. Uh, but right now, you got to go thank Josh Allen for keeping you fresh because look at this this drive chart for the Patri- for the Bills against the Patriots here in the wild card. This, of course, excludes the final drive with the kneel downs. It's seven touchdowns. I mean, nine plays, 10 plays, 10 plays. Look at that. They had three drives of 80 yards or more, five of 70 yards or more. This Bills offense was as good as we've seen any offense in the postseason in the last couple of years. Absolutely phenomenal. And look, it, it started from the jump, DJ. I mean, they didn't face a ton of third downs, but when they did, how'd they do? Well, six of six, um, and then you have a kneel down at the end of the game. So six of six on third down. So I'm like, I want to go watch these third downs, see how prolific these guys were. Look at the third downs. They didn't have one longer than four yards. They only had to throw it once on third down to get a conversion. That was on a third and four there. So uh, they were very efficient on first down. How efficient? We're talking about 281 yards on first down. They averaged 10 yards per play on first down. Uh, 235 passing yards on first down. That's where this game was decided. That's where it was won. That's how you throw a perfect game like Josh Allen did because of what they did on down number one. Look, winning first down was critical. That offense was fantastic. That offense is high-powered, and Josh Allen makes it go. But defensively, this is a crew that is playing really well in Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. And surprisingly, they've been able to do it without any stars. Uh, The only star that I would say that they had in the starting lineup, Tredavis White, He was injured midway in the season with a torn ACL. But this defense continues to be one of the best defenses in football. They play well together. They have a blue-collar mentality, and they do a great job of executing and doing the simple things. And what you're seeing is if you're a master of the basics, you can win a lot of games, and you can put yourself in a position to win a world title because that's where the Buffalo Bills are is because their defense is fundamentally sound, and they play the right way. Guys, was that Micah Hyde interception one of the best defensive plays we've seen this season? Like, I, I just watched I mean, it again that on that tape. That combo is outstanding. That was unbelievable. And look, their safeties, I mean, un- under the radar, probably a little bit more than they should be. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, that whole crew in that secondary, I mean, they, they have been phenomenal all year long. And I feel like the worst thing to happen to the rest of the league this year was when the Patriots dominated the Bills in Orchard Park in that first meeting. Mm-hmm. 
You came out, and then the oh, next they lost that game. That next week they lost. The Bills lost to the Bucs, but and they got they were they were dominated in the first half, but really came on in the second half. Remember, forced overtime, and the Bucs needed a Brashad Perryman yeah. long touchdown to win an OT. Nearly came back and won that game. And since then, the Bills have been virtually flawless. And now uh, they get another opportunity at the Kansas City Chiefs. This time though comes in the divisional round. Cannot wait for that matchup uh, coming up here in a few days. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's get set for the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend. I love the fact that we got Monday football on a Wild Card Weekend. Just when, you know, like you're starting to feel the itch of like, all right, Wild Card Weekend. We got one more. We got one more ahead of divisional round. So it's the Rams and the Cardinals. These two teams split the season series in their NFC West matchups, both teams winning in the other team's building. So perhaps that bodes well for the Cardinals tonight. Uh, what do we got here, Bucky, for the Rams in order to – as the NFC West champs for them to get this thing done over the Cardinals. How do they do it? Oh, Star Wars. It's all about the stars. Their stars need to come out. The L.A. Rams are built like the L.A. Lakers. They bring star power to the stadium, <laughs> and they expect their stars to dominate at SoFi. And so when you think about the collection of stars that they have, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford as your franchise quarterback, Odell Beckham Jr. bringing over Von Miller to go with the core that was already in place, this is a game where the stars have to play like stars. And so I am looking to see if these guys will step up, elevate their games, and elevate their team so they can get past the wild card round and get into the divisional round. Because in Hollywood, we expect to see the stars come out. Let's see if the stars come out tonight. Well, a star might be on the other team. When you look at Kyler Murray, and Buck, I'm going to steal one of your lines. You used to use this phrase, comparing quarterbacks to basketball players. You, you, sometimes you can be a scorer, not just a shooter. I think that's Kyler Murray in this ballgame. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not just going to be him sitting in the pocket and, and shooting. He's got to go score. He's got to use his legs. He's got to make plays. He's got to be ultra aggressive, kind of bring your own offense into this game. I know they're, they're going to be amped up. The pass rush is going to be coming at him. But they can get caught up field at times. There's going to be lanes and opportunities. I like to see Kyler Murray be aggressive with his legs in this ballgame. Yeah, and the Rams really struggled in the game. They lost to the Cardinals early in the season. That week four matchup uh, here at SoFi, Rams really struggled stopping the run. So see uh, if they can limit some of that production on the ground from Chase Edmonds and from, uh, from Kyler Murray and company in this matchup. Uh, and I'm also interested, guys. Come on. Come on. It's the return, right? Weddle from retirement. What this miraculous return from injury as we all kind of thought he was going to be out for the season. Both back in this game. Like which one of these stars, you know, Weddle in his former life and Watt from earlier in the season makes a play to help their team win this game. I mean, that's the kind of script that I'm here for in this one with the Cardinals and the Rams. All right, with that... Let's now recap and set the off-season plan for a couple of teams that are now done with their playoff runs. First one, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, who we've already talked about. 
uh, eliminated by the Tampa Bay Bucks, dominated in this game really from start to finish. And as we're looking at this one here, they've got a primetime opportunity to really beef up this roster with three first-round draft picks, 15, 16, and now 19. Uh, th this is going to be a really interesting offseason here for Howie Roseman, DJ. What do you like with the Eagles and their path forward? Well, you've got those three picks. I mean, look, if you have an opportunity and somehow you could get involved with, you know, Aaron Rodgers, if that were to be a possibility, I think you could go there, Russell Wilson. I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think they're going to use these picks. And I would look at the line of scrimmage and particularly on the defensive line. I think this is a draft where they can kind of replenish that that group with some youth. They have Josh Sweat off the edge, who's, who's they've signed to a contract. He's going to be a key player for him. But Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham have been kind of the guts of this group, and they've gotten a little bit older, and I think it's time to start looking at those replacements. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if two of those three first-round picks were dedicated towards defensive linemen. You know, I love that, DJ. We've talked about it. The Eagles have always been a team, particularly going all the way back when they had Andy Reid. They believe in investing in the trenches. I believe the number one question that they must answer and address is Jalen Hurst are really a QB1? Because if he's their QB1, if he's their quarterback of the future, then do they kind of do a reset and a rebuild very similar to what the Baltimore Ravens were able to do, where they go all in on his unique style of play as a running quarterback? Do you beef up the line of scrimmage like you talked about, maybe with offensive linemen as well? Do you go get a tight end? Do you get a big-bodied wide receiver like a guy from USC like Drake London or Trayvon Burks from Arkansas, mm. big guys that can expand the strike zone and make it easier for Jalen Hurts. Look, he may never be the most accurate passer, but if you expand the strike zone, maybe he can be functional enough to extenuate the running skills that he brings to the table that makes that offense go. Bucky, thanks for bringing back into focus that DJ has already clamored for the Eagles to take a third round, a third first round wide I, I, receiver, and now is totally. I just gave him two D linemen. I gave him two D linemen. There's three first round picks. Yeah, keep, I still left that. Keep throwing that it at the wall. Keep there. throwing there it at the go. wall. See what Let's sticks. Let's bring in Drake London. Let's bring in our two defensive <laughs> linemen, and off we go. Oh, there it is. Okay, so you're still leaving that door See? open for the there third wideout in three yes. years in the first I round. Put words okay, in my good. mouth with glad, your glad, architect glad sweater on over there. No. I'm, I'm trying to build, you know, I'm trying to build here uh, for this Eagles franchise. You're just trying to get the star power. All right. Speaking of the star, uh, the Cowboys season is done with the star on their helmets this year, eliminated by the San Francisco 49ers, a roster full of stars. Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys, said as much for a team that was destined to do much more. When you get this combination of players together, you need to uh, have success because we all know how it goes in the NFL. The whole thing is set up to take away from the best and add to the ones that need improvement. And personnel-wise, I think we have one of the best. If you're a coach on that staff, kind of sitting there cringing a little bit, thinking about that. I mean, because th those are some damning words from the owner of your franchise there saying he's put together a team that was capable of much more here. By the way, talk to Ian Rappaport on the NFL Inside Report podcast, which is out now, said he hasn't heard anything uh, that would indicate Matt, uh, Mike McCarthy's future is in doubt there in Dallas. But seeing that both of their coordinators uh, here, Bucky, have are getting all these interview requests, do you feel like there's some coaching uncertainty in Dallas as we approach this offseason? Absolutely, there should be. I think if you're an organization that is really doing it the right way, you have to take a long, hard look at everything, you have to be able to honestly assess why did you fall short? If Jerry Jones believes this team is one of the best teams in football based on the talent, you have to figure out what is holding this team back from achieving 
at their best potential. And when I look at the coordinators, you have Dan Quinn who could get a head job, Kellen Moore who could get a head job. What are you going to do if teams come calling to remove those guys? And so this has to be a situation where the coaching has to be addressed. It has to be better. Not only from that standpoint, what you potentially could lose, but are you satisfied with what you're getting from the head coach? I think all of those things should be on the table. You want to make sure that the coaching staff is putting the best schemes to make sure that the best players are playing at their best. Well, I'll say about Jerry Jones, things we all know about him. Obviously, he's got resources, and obviously, he's a great salesman. And to me, I think that's going to come into play here with these two coordinators. I think you go to Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, you back up the truck. I mean, that's no no problem with him writing the check and just say, look, I'm going to pay you like you're a head coach to be my coordinators. I'm trying to chase a championship. We feel like we're getting close. I can't have you guys leaving the building. And let's be honest, when you look at some of these openings, I guarantee you Jerry Jones is going to sell them being the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys is better than being the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm going to pay you as such. That would not surprise me at all. I don't think you want to go through an offseason where you lose both coordinators when you're starting to make some traction here, even though it didn't end the way you wanted. Last thing I'll add here, Rhett, is to me, they need to go out and get some free agents that have been to the mountaintop, that have won championships. Even if they're not your top-tier players, they need to bring some of that leadership into this organization. That's a great point. And, Bucky, you mentioned it at the top of the show, DJ, as well. Like, it, it's time to rebuild the offensive line. And, and to me, it feels like you got to start at left tackle. Look, Tyron Smith has been one of the best in football for a long time. Feels like you can't count on him for a full 16-game season. Just has had the unfortunate issue with injuries. Uh, and then when healthy, has he been the same player? They're drafting at number 24, DJ. You see, you see some, some guys available there that could help the, the Cowboys reshape that offensive line? Yeah, it's a really good tackle group. I think you can find some guys like a Bernard Raymond would be a great option for them. Uh, probably going to go off in the mid to later portion of the first round. There, there is a ton of guys, a ton of tackle depth in this draft. I think even going into the second round, you can find uh, some upgrades here for this group. So I think the Dallas Cowboys, with their needs, are in great shape to address those in this particular draft class. Divisional round matchups just about set. We know we'll get the Bengals and Titans to kick off the divisional round action on Saturday. 49ers and Packers are your nightcap on Saturday. Buccaneers awaiting the winner of tonight's game between the Cardinals and the Rams. And then how about the Bills and Chiefs to close out divisional weekend on Sunday, 6.30 Eastern time on CBS. That is going to be must-see TV. So let's look right there at that Bills-Chiefs matchup here. And l- let's start with, uh, Bucky, y- your early thoughts on where this game will be won. Uh, look, this game is going to be won out on the perimeter because of the speed and the explosiveness that we've seen from both teams, but particularly the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills have been taking sights at the Kansas City Chiefs because they knew that the path to the Super Bowl eventually would go through the Chiefs. And so this is a game where we need to see Have they closed the gaps in terms of that athleticism? Do they feel good about their ability to corral Tyree Kill and Miko Hartman and some of the explosive weapons that the Chiefs have on the perimeter? Because if they can keep those guys in check offensively, they certainly have enough weapons to take advantage of some of the vulnerabilities of the Chiefs' defense. I think that the Buffalo Bills stack up really well against Kansas City when you look at it, really on both sides. I think defensively, we've talked about that safety combination. I think it's the best combination safeties we have in the NFL. They play so well off of each other. They limit explosives. You see here the unbelievable pick. We showed that earlier in the show. Uh, But I think from a defensive standpoint, they've got that safety combination. They've got waves of pass rushers. They've got a lot of depth. They can keep guys fresh rolling through. And then on the other side, 
We say it every time with the Chiefs. It's not a field goal game. You've got to score touchdowns. And what greater example than what we saw the Bills do last week? This is a touchdown offense. They can find their way into a shootout and get to the finish line. This is a this is going to be a very tough matchup. I think this is the toughest matchup left for Kansas City in the playoffs, personally. And it's a rematch. Bills beat them earlier this year, 38-20. to 20. Had a pick six on Patrick Mahomes, forced those two interceptions of Mahomes. Josh Allen accounting for three touchdowns through the air. It was a nice script for Buffalo. Can they replicate it will, of course, be the question. Okay, let's also look ahead to another one of these divisional round matchups. It's the Bengals and the Titans from Nashville, number one seed in the AFC. Welcome to the playoff party, Tennessee, and welcome back. Perhaps Derrick Henry. What do we think, Bucky, about or DJ rather, about how the Bengals are going to continue their postseason run against Tennessee here? What do you think? Well, I feel like this game is going to be decided in the first quarter. You know, we say it's the playoffs, four-quarter games. I get everybody puts the number four up when you get to the fourth quarter. You ought to put the number one up in the first quarter because the Bengals have to get out in front in this game. They've got to put Tennessee in a trail position. They've got to put pressure on them from that standpoint. If the Tennessee Titans jump on them early, their defensive line is going to overwhelm this Bengals offensive line, and it's going to be a long day for Joe Burrow. So the start in this is extremely important for both teams. You know, DJ, this kind of reminds me of a heavyweight title fight. Uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, with the Bengals being Deontay Wilder because they're explosive. They can knock you out quickly. But if they allow Tyson Fury, they allow the Tennessee Titans to beat them (laughs) up with body blows, they will make them fall apart in the later rounds of the fight. And so the Tennessee Titans have done this all year long. They've taken people into those later rounds, those championship rounds, and they've beaten them up and they've gotten the knockout. Can the Cincinnati Bengals maybe deliver some quick, Knockout power with Jamar Chase and those weapons on the outside, they're good enough, but can they last if it becomes a long fight that is ultimately decided by the cards? I'm going to double down on uh, basically a couple of pieces of what you guys basically said there. The Bengals' offensive line needs to have their best game of the season. Otherwise, Harold Landry, Bud Dupree, Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry up there, and that front for Tennessee could dominate this game. I feel like while the offensive line for the Bengals has held up for the most part this season, it's not the strength of this team, but it's got to be in this matchup on Saturday against the Titans. They have to come out and have their best game of the year. Otherwise, it could be a long day if Joe Burrow's getting hit, and he can't then take advantage of all the talent that he has over there on the perimeter with Higgins and Chase and Boyd. So it could be a game, big game for Joe Mixon uh, as well. But can't wait to get the Titans back into the postseason party here. Packers, of course, welcoming the number one seed in the NFC uh, as well. And they're going to take on the Debo Samuel-led San Francisco 49ers. This spring, the Scouting Combine returns to Indianapolis. College football's brightest stars taking the field in front of all 32 teams at Lucas Oil Stadium. The 2022 NFL Scouting Combine, March 3rd through 6th, all live right here on NFL Network. Guys, this is one of our favorite times of the year, right? Because we can we can look at things that are working, right? Trends that are working in the playoffs and then try to figure out how teams are going to try to replicate them. We can do the same thing with prospects, right? And we can talk about guys that are stars right now in the postseason and try to compare them to prospects that are going to be drafted in Vegas here at the end of April. Let's talk about a guy like Devin White here, Bucky, uh, a guy that was a top 10 pick uh, out of LSU by the Tampa Bay Bucks, worth every penny that the Bucks are going to pay him here. And he, he is making his money for this team and has from the jump. Who's a player that kind of reminds you of the impact that Devin White has had for the Bucs? 
Well, one of the things you think about with Devin White is not only his ability to make plays as a hit, run, and cover linebacker, but the leadership ability. And so I go to the championship game and I look at the Georgia Bulldogs, N'Kobe Dean, and what he brings to the table. Sideline to sideline defender, great instincts and diagnostic skills. He's also a guy who can make plays in a bunch of different ways. But when you dig deeper, it's the leadership ability. It's the ability to really thrive as a traffic cop that you're looking for. This is a guy that is an instant and immediate impact player, someone who can certainly impact the game like Devon White, Devin White was able to do for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, your leadership matters in the middle of the field, right? You talk about the quarterback position, the center yeah. position, middle linebacker, and safety, and he really kind of is the quarterback of the defense there at Georgia. So I love that comparison there, Buck. No no question. And Kobe Dean has been a stat sheet stuffer for the Georgia Bulldogs this year, just like Devin White does sacks, interceptions, TFLs. He has done it all. Let's move on to the wide receiver. Talked about Debo Samuel a little bit. Teams trying to find their equivalent of Debo Samuel. What might that look like in this year's draft, Deej? Well, in terms of filling that role, you know, I, I look at Traylon Burks at Arkansas because you, you see him line up in the backfield some. You see them pitch him the ball. Obviously, what Debo has done, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like what he's done in terms of the, being the best receiver on the team and then flipping over and playing running back, being the best running back in the league, quite honestly. You see Burks here, what he can do. The numbers are, are ridiculous. He comes in a bigger package. You're talking about somebody that's a couple inches taller, maybe about 8 to 10 pounds heavier. But he is a nightmare to get on the ground when the ball is in his hands after the catch or when they flip it to him in the backfield. So I think he, for teams looking for that type of a player, that type of a role, I think Traylon Burks is going to be very popular. 38 career rushing attempts, certainly done that for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Over 100 rushing yards uh, this year, including a touchdown on the ground. Um, what was a pretty good year for the Razorbacks. All right, guys, here's a fun one with Debo Samuel. And a reminder that players can grow into their NFL bodies. As uh, you see, <laughs> Debo Samuel from when he came to the Combine in 2019 and uh, Marshawn Lynch in 07, essentially identical to Debo Samuel, uh, especially when you look at you know 40-yard dash. I mean, Debo had him in the vert by a couple of inches. Now, Marshawn got a, a little bit bigger and, and a little bit I more think he ate a few Skittles difficult since the combine. to take down, right? Especially on this play that Saints fans avert your eyes. This one still hurts. Uh, just ask uh, all of the uh, 27 Saints defenders that missed tackles on this play. <laughs> My goodness, one of the greatest plays in NFL history, the Beast Quake. Uh, that's pretty fun right there with Marshawn Lynch and Debo Samuel. Setting the scene from SoFi Stadium, which is the scene for the final matchup of Super Wild Card Weekend. Rams and Cardinals Part 3 in this NFC West showdown. We've talked about the stars in this game. Now let's talk about the X-Factors here. DJ, lead us off with a guy you think could uh, be an under-the-radar impact player in this one. I'll go Isaiah Simmons for the Cardinals. Uh, he's forced some fumbles this year. He can generate turnovers. The speed is real. It's legit. Um, his sideline-to-sideline -side range could be huge here for the Cardinals as they try and slow down this Matthew Stafford-led offense. Yeah, guys, I'm going to go with Cam Akers here as my X factor uh, from the Rams. I mean, just five and a half months removed from Achilles tendon surgery. Thought he was done for the year. Wouldn't see him again until the 2022 season. Here he is. Didn't have a huge impact in his return to action in week 18 against uh, the 49ers. But, man, I, I think he could be an X factor here in that run game and particularly in the pass game uh, as well out of the backfield. So looking for Cam Akers. What do you think, Buck? Look, Cam Akers is terrific. I'm going to go on the defense side of the ball for the Rams. How about Leonard Floyd? Leonard Floyd being able to play opposite Von Miller but beside Aaron Donald. He can have an opportunity to get after the passer. You think about Kyler Murray having to play a superstar type game. You need to be able to corral him. 
Leonard Floyd could have a huge impact coming off the edges. Yeah, and, and which one of the Cardinals receivers really steps up in the absence of DeAndre Hopkins? That could end up being the X factor in, in this one. Uh, DJ, you think Kyler Murray's got what it takes without Hop to get it done on the road here tonight? Uh, it's going to be a tall order. I'm leaning the Rams in this one, Rhett, but I hope we get a good competitive game. We've had a couple stinkers. We just want a we good did have a couple competitive blowouts. football game. I, I'm ready for a competitive matchup as well. Bucky, you going Rams? Yeah, I'm going to go with Rams. I'm going to Star Power. Okay. All right, clean sweep for the Rams, and that's going to do it for us on this episode of Move the Sticks. Thanks so much for being with us. A couple more episodes coming ready for download later this week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.